When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outside of Angels Stadium right now in sunny California. Matt, it's not a bad week to have a job covering the Eagles. Yeah, it's been beautiful, Elliot. I spent the morning sipping coffee with my feet in the sand over <laughs> at Newport Beach. We have some plans over the weekend. I know you have a big night um, set up tonight. And, you know, checking out the Eagles in Angel Stadium has been a very unique experience, both for us and certainly mm-hmm. for the players. It's been and, a really fun week. And so one thing I do want to talk about before we get and which we'll start – well, ah, sorry. Wow, this Anaheim uh, sun really has me. So the one thing I do want to talk about was, is whether or not we think it was a good idea for them to stay out here. Because yeah, you've know, been on this train that they've been somehow distracted by this this week. Yeah, but not only just that, and maybe it's just me because I haven't been out to the West Coast too much, but I almost feel like I'm still on East Coast time. Like, I fell asleep recording this on a Friday. I fell asleep last night at, like, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Yep. And I was up this morning at 6.37. So, I, I mean, and normally back East, I don't fall asleep until after midnight. So, I, I mean, maybe we'll ask some of the players today, but... I just don't really see the benefit. Like I haven't seen, I haven't seen my body at least adjust to West Coast time, and I'm also wondering if by the time Sunday rolls around, if I am adjusted, now they'll be back on the East Coast. But we're getting into a little bit too much there. I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it. But the way I do want to start this podcast, as we always do on Friday, is yep. Fan Friday. Um, we have a few few things. First, uh, we ask you guys to leave in your in our comments and in our reviews where you're listening from. And we have had a ton of feedback. It's been really cool to see where everybody's checking in from, um, both on YouTube, uh, if you're subscribing to the podcast. So really quick, I'm going to read the 49, yes, 49 different places that people are listening. They're listening in. Bolivia, England, Ireland, Paris, Brazil, South Korea, Australia, Mexico, Nigeria, Poland, Vancouver, Ottawa, North Carolina, Fargo, North Jersey, NJ.com, Charlotte, uh, Sarasota, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, Oceanside, Washington, Ohio, Utah, New Mexico, Los Angeles, Fort Lauderdale, Philadelphia, South Jersey, Georgia, Tennessee, Boston, California, Texas, New York City, Arkansas, Alaska, Wisconsin, Atlanta, I promise I'm almost done, Long Beach, Tuscan, Fort Worth, Tampa, Houston, Connecticut, Maryland, Gainesville, Oregon, Indiana, Brooklyn, Toronto, Chicago, and Seattle. I love it. The No Huddle Show goes international. (laughs) South Korea, Bolivia, all over the map in the United States. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all the commenters, all of the reviewers. Really appreciate it. We reached our milestone, Elliot. We wanted 300 before the Rams game. We got it before the Seattle game. We're at 316, I believe. Next up, 500 by the the playoffs. playoffs. That was the goal. That's the goal that we threw down. We appreciate everybody. And it's really been a fun ride uh, hearing from everybody where you're listening and your thoughts on the podcast. I'm not going to lie. At first, I thought 500 was a little unrealistic, but... I think we can do it now. So if you listened, if you if you are listening right now, go ahead and add in where you're listening because it is cool to see where everyone is. But give us those five star reviews; we really appreciate it. Yep. Um, and now, as part of Fan Friday, we're each going to read a review. Matt, I'll let you go first. I have mine picked out. The headline is "Keeps Me Connected in North Carolina" by Michael Van Patter. 
He says, over the past year, the No Huddle Show has become my favorite Eagles podcast. Number one, it's concise. Number two, it's smart and balanced. And number three, they publish episodes in a really good rhythm. ESP and Matt bring a very helpful level of skepticism to their analysis, but they avoid going over the clickbait route and over-dramatizing everything. Great podcast. Love listening from North Carolina. So thank you, Michael. We appreciate it, and that's what we strive for. you got to love people saying we avoid clickbait. That's not something you hear very often. Uh, <laughs> not on Twitter, and, and, at least. And in our direction. <laughs> yeah. So this this review might be one of the more beautiful things I've ever read. And it, it starts with the title. What I will say is I love it. This is from at Maddie B. Five stars. I love this podcast more than Matt loves Jared Goff. I hate missing this podcast more than Elliot hates Alshon. I wouldn't even trade this podcast for Khalil Mack. What I will say is this podcast rocks from at Maddie B. Everybody go follow him because clearly he's a poet. Dumbo, Brooklyn, born in Philly. Matt, thank you for that. We really appreciate it. He obviously listens to the show. Yeah, he obviously listens to the show. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of inside jokes there. So I remember when, when I told you I was going to pick this one, you said you wanted to use this as your jumping off point yes. to talk about your boy Jared Goff. See, so. and, and that's it. That, that's <laughs> Here we just, go. Here we go. Well, that's go it. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how I've developed this reputation of Jared Goff being my boy when all I've said is Jared Goff this year is a top 10 quarterback and climbing. And you well, I think that's why. Because I don't think he's, a, I think I don't think he's a top ten guy. Okay, so let me ask you why you don't think so. All right, one, I wish I had the list. I don't think he's top ten in quarterback rating, which isn't the end of the world. And also, I saw you put this this morning on Twitter. You said he might be the best quarterback they're going to face outside of Russell Wilson. Drew, I'm sorry, not Drew Brees. Uh, Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, both have considerably better quarterback ratings. I'm I don't not, think Rivers was playing that well at the no, time, though. And that's I think fair. that Rivers really turned it around in the second half of the season once they made some offensive adjustments. And I just look at, at the numbers: uh, three thousand one hundred eighty-four yards, twenty touchdowns, mm-hmm. six interceptions. I know that's what six interceptions fewer, or nine interceptions fewer than Carson Wentz has right now. He does have well, more well, yards. Well. Carson Wentz. No, 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 no. touchdowns, touchdowns, not interceptions. Well, right, touchdowns. Yeah, okay, yeah. you said nine fewer interceptions. Right. Okay, well, that's N- not true. Nine fewer touchdowns. Yeah, 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 right. Go ahead. Yeah, Goff has, Goff has nine fewer touchdowns than Wentz. Right, and, yeah. and he has uh, close to 200 more yards. I, I just look at what he's been doing this year, and I, I don't know that I could name – 10 or 11 quarterbacks in the league that I wouldn't take over Jared Goff right now. And I, I don't know that if you think nationally and you look at the perception of him and you watch his tape and you watch the throws that he's been making this year, I, I don't know where you would put him. All right, but I don't all know right, why well, it's let's, so... let's go through it a little bit. Okay. Tom Brady, obviously. Obviously. Drew Brees. Yep. Matthew Stafford. Maybe. Okay. All right. Philip Rivers. Yeah. That's four. That's if you, four. If you give him Stafford. Yep. Cousins. No. Really? All right. I I I think that one's on defense. I think Cousins does more. Here's my thing with Jared Goff is when you look at his game by game, I think he's only in four or five games this year had multiple touchdowns. He does take good care of the ball. Give him that. But to me, he seems just from you look from looking at the stat sheet and I haven't watched every snap this year. I will admit that. But I think he seems more like a game manager in a way than Wentz does. So if I'm just comparing to Wentz, I think Wentz does a lot more. I think he carries that offense a lot more. What Goff has a weapon, and I'm not, I'm not. Look, taking I'm not a... saying that I would take Jared Goff over Carson Wentz. I don't right. think I've ever said that. My no, no, point is that I think that Jared Goff is a top ten quarterback and rising in this league. I think the numbers bear that. Out. I think his improvement, his over the course of the year, his arm strength, the weapons that he has around him, and in that system, mm-hmm. I, I just don't look. 
everybody thinks that quote unquote Jared Goff is my boy and that I'm some sort of closet Rams fan. <laughs> I, I don't know if people just look at Jared Goff, what he was as a rookie and what he was in Jeff Fisher's system, and they haven't really adapted or watched him very much or followed what they've been able to do here in Los Angeles. But I just think that when you look at what he is, his second year, the supporting cast around him, his mechanical improvement, like I said, I don't know that there are 10 quarterbacks in the league. We went through five, and I took four right, we, we got We got a few more. Okay. Not, not to hammer this point home, sure. but I think it's just an interesting discussion. So, Cousins, you didn't do, so that's Correct. four yet. Matt Ryan. Yes. Russell Wilson. Yes. Roethlisberger. Yes. Wentz. Yes. Derek Carr. No. Cam Newton. No. I think that... I Marcus think... Mariota. No. Jameis Winston. No. no. Heck no. <laughs> uh... Deshaun Watson's hurt. I mean, you would probably take him. I'd probably him, take but, Deshaun but, Watson. I mean, I, I'll, I'll agree right to not really in- include him. Yep. All right, so you have about eight or nine. I would agree. I'm looking around here. I would probably not many more guys I would take. So maybe I have him as like a top 12-ish guy. But you're right. He 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 is probably right now a top 10-ish type guy. Right. Because um, I, I would take uh, him over Alex Smith, who's up there as yep. well. Um, Josh McCown, I yep. would take Goff over him. So. And that's all I'm saying. I, I just think that there's this notion that Jared Goff is some middling middle-of-the-road veteran quarterback who's only going to take you so far. They have the number one scoring offense in the league tied with the Eagles at 30.1. I know they have Mm -hmm. Todd Gurley, and he's a big part of the engine that drives that offense because they set up the run very well to, you know, set up the pass. But I can't – I don't think you can discount the – Big money throws that Jared Goff has made, especially against that New Orleans Saints team yeah. a couple weeks ago when he basically took them on his back and led them to a home victory. I just, again, I just think that people are too quick to dismiss him as a quarterback. I'm not saying he's my boy. <laughs> I'm just saying that going into this week, I don't think that Eagles fans should overlook him. And I think that, as we've talked about, I'd have him probably around 8 or 9 in the quarterback power rankings. You'd have him around 10 or 12. So now that we're done talking about Matt's boy, we can move on to a, <laughs> we can move on to a position by position. For a game that – so I've always been very confident that the Eagles were going to win this game. I've always thought this was a win. I didn't think Wentz was going to lose to Goff. I will admit, outside of the Carolina game, this has been the toughest game for me to predict yet. I haven't sent you my prediction for the, pre- for the uh, prediction post. Well, I'm dreading doing like so. Well, I know that like four times. Right, exactly. Exactly, off. right, exactly. we got to put like two asterisks <laughs> next to your pick every week. Exactly. But – I do think this is an extremely tough game to pick. And part of the reason I think it's tough to pick is I think staying out in California was a mistake by the Eagles. I just do. I know. I feel like for some reason, you know, this whole like, well, you want to avoid two trips out west. I feel like that's a very like antiquated way of thinking. I mean, this team flies all the time. We've, we, we've fl- we fly with them all the time, obviously. I don't feel like my body is very adjusted to it. And I also feel like, just personally, this is just me, and I'm basically an athlete since I won the kicking competition two years in a row. I even just think five days out, like, I've been away from home since last Saturday. Um, The team has as well. I just feel like my body's fatigued from doing that. So I just, I don't, I haven't seen the benefits. And then you add to the potential distraction of, you know, Kobe Bryant talked to him today. Like they're, they're staying in a hotel. I, I don't know. I just, this feels like it was a mistake to me. And, and see, it's making me less confident about the game. But I think that you're using the stay in Los Angeles as a crutch to be able to think that if the Eagles lose to the Rams, they'll have lost to the Rams because of the stay rather than we look, we sat in that press box in Seattle. And what right. do we talk about? This is, 
is playoff football, where one or two mistakes are going to define the game. One or two big plays mm-hmm. are going to define the game. That the Seahawks and the Eagles are very similar in terms of talent, very similar in terms of build. The Rams and Eagles are almost identical. And we've talked right. about this all week. I've done video posts about this all week. Quarterbacks, almost identical. Running backs, almost identical. Dominant, aggressive defenses, particularly up front. Wide receiving core, big names on both sides, and two offensive-minded coaches. This is the Eagles looking in the mirror at itself mm-hmm. at another high-quality playoff caliber team. And I think that if they lose this game, it's not because they stayed out in Los Angeles. It's because they lost to a better team. Likewise, if the Eagles win this game, then to me, this is the biggest measuring stick performance of the year because they'll have beaten a 9-3 and team that's almost as similar as they are in talent and what they've accomplished this year. And it puts them really in the driver's seat for that number two seed and back in the race for the first round bye and home field with the Vikings, even though that goes to the fourth tiebreaker. But as far as staying out here, I, I don't know. You, you talk about an eight or nine hour flight to go to Seattle and then you play on a Sunday night game, have to fly back eight or nine hours to go back and train in Philadelphia, only to fly back out here eight hours the following Saturday. I just there, there's so much benefit to not having that back and forth in consecutive weeks that. I think it makes up for whatever distraction you might have. And listen, I think that we might be distracted because we're out, we're going to the beach, or mm-hmm. you know, we have plans to play golf, or we have plans to <laughs> go me. see shows. Not me, I suck at golf. But, yeah, go ahead. but you know what I'm saying? Like we have plans that we're doing. Whereas the Eagles are sequestered in a hotel, they're going to meetings right. in the hotel. There have been team bonding activities. We don't see the team on away from Novacare. We don't True. know what their daily life is like. And I think it's almost more structured being out here in a hotel for a week than it is leaving those guys at home doing what they right, want well, to do. Well, let me let me say two things. One, I'll admit before this game, you were right about the Rams early on. They, I would, I didn't think the Rams were very good. You've always said they were good. And that's why we kind of jo- joke with you about it being your boy. You were right about this. I'm not saying this as a defense. If, if, they, if the Eagles lose to the Rams, I will be wrong, even though it's not my official prediction yet. But I have been leading this up. But here's the thing I'll say. So I always joke with Zach Berman of the Inquirer when we're talking about the upcoming games. He's really into the X's and O's. He only looks at it from an X and O like statistical standpoint. I'm much more into intangibles when I pick the game. You yep. know, whether I think it's a good spot, whether I don't. I am, and this is a record I am very proud of. I'm nine and three picking him this year. I'm twenty and seven since Doug took over. I'm just putting this out there. Whether it's L.A., whether it's what, I do not feel good about the intangibles for this game. I feel like I'm pretty good at having my thumb on the pulse of this team. I'm, I just I don't feel good about it because I think the L.A. thing, I think this is a big test for the team. I think they've, you know, it's on the road. They're 1-3 right now, and t- or 1-2 and two against good teams on the road. If you want to include the Chargers, which I guess you can now, 2-2, two and two, although that was basically a home game. Um, I'm just not feeling it with this game. So I'm not saying I'm going to pick the Rams yet. I just... I'm I'm not feeling positive about this game. So that's just kind of like where I'm at with it in terms of my pick. Um, let's start off with position by position. We've already kind of debated quarterback. Yep. I think I think we would both take Wentz. You're a little higher, well, a lot higher on Goff than me, but I think Goff has been a lot better than people think. And, and you were you were early on that, so I will yep. give you that. Cool. Now let's talk about because I know you did your uh, selfie video on this, the Eagles offensive line versus the Rams defensive line. Where would you give that advantage to? You know, it's funny because I think that all year long, the strength of this team has been the offensive line. And I wrote this week that Lane Johnson isn't just the best right tackle in football, but he's the best offensive tackle, period, in football. Mm But we saw how Pulavidi Vitae get exposed on Sunday night in Seattle. We saw him give up plenty of pressures, looked like a little bit of a turnstile, looked like he struggled maybe more than he struggled ever since being thrown into action when Jason Peters got hurt. Would you agree? Agreed. So I look at this game, and I, I have a lot of confidence 
in whether it's Aaron Donald or whether it's Michael Brockers who lines up opposite Lane Johnson of Lane winning that battle. I'm not so confident in Vitae's side of the field. I'm not so confident in the interior of the offensive line. I give a slight edge by the smallest of margin to the Rams' defense here because Brockers and Donald combined for 11 sacks. They're two very good pass rushers. Eagles' offensive line has played excellent football up until Seattle. This is a tough bounce-back spot for them, so I give a slight edge to the Rams. So I think when you look at it from a pass rush perspective, I think the the, uh, Rams' defensive line does have the edge over the Eagles' offensive line. I think the Rams are like second or third in the NFL in sacks with 38 through the first 12 games. I think the Eagles offensive line has been good this year. I do think at times where they've been a little bit exposed against good pass rushing defenses. Um, and because of the fact they're winning by so much, I think sometimes those it gets uh, brushed over a little. But I do think you have to look at this from two perspectives, which is the Eagles are very good at running the ball, and the Rams are very good, are very bad at defending it. The Rams are heading into Sunday 27th in the NFL against the rush. They're giving up an average of 122.8 yards per game. And the Eagles are, I think, they're number two in the NFL in rushing yards. So they, I mean, th- that is a part of it. So with that being said, I think I have to give the edge to the Eagles offensive line just because the difference in the running game is so big, whereas I think the difference from a pass rushing perspective, I think the Rams are a very good pass rushing team. The Eagles are an average pass blocking team, but the Eagles are an excellent run team and the Rams are terrible against the run. And I know that the linebackers and you know, it's not, it's a full team thing, but I do think they have the edge over the Eagles defensive of the Rams defensive line when it comes to running. So what what position do you want to do next? Uh let's go with wide receivers against secondary. All right. Where you like? We want to start with the Eagles. Yeah, we'll start with e- the Eagles. Eagles receivers versus Rams secondary. Uh, the Rams defense. Let me look at this really quick. Rams defense has not been that good against the pass this year. Yep. Or no, sorry, I, I'm I'm looking at the wrong one. Eighth in the NFL against the pass, 210 yards. That's pretty good. Um, what do you think? Eagles receivers, would you give them the edge there? I think that you're going to see Alshon Jeffrey has a, have a bounce back game. Oh, I I'm think surprised he, to hear you say that. I think he was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I think he was really disappointing against the Seahawks, and we both hit on that when we were at CenturyLink Field the other night. I can't see him putting up two subpar performances in a row, and unless Carson Wentz is under a barrage of pressure the entire game like he was against Seattle, mm-hmm. I think Wentz still throws for around 300 and, and at least two touchdowns. We saw Nelson Aguilar uh, continue to dominate from the slot against the Seahawks. I don't think that'll be any different on Sunday. So I, I give a slight edge to the Eagles receivers against the secondary, even though Tremaine Johnson is probably a top 15 or so corner in the league. Right, and so that's where I don't think Alex... For, so Alshon was disappointing against the Seahawks because he didn't have a big game in a big spot, but he was kind of like what he always is. I mean, 60-something yards, he didn't have a touchdown, um, had a few nice catches. He just kind of was who he was. I would be stunned if Alshon had a big game just because he hasn't broken 100 yards in 23 or 24 games now. So I would be pretty surprised. As you mentioned, Tremaine Johnson is a very good uh, cornerback. I think Aguilar, though, has a chance to do some real damage. Coming back home, yep. playing at the Coliseum, him and Wentz seem to really be, even though Wentz was a little inaccurate with him last week, they seem to really be clicking this year. So I think I would give the slight edge to the Eagles' passing attack versus the Rams' secondary, but I do think that Alshon has a tough matchup. And one of the bold predictions someone sent me, and I think has a potential chance to be true, is Matt Collins has a big game. And I think Torrey Torrey Smith has not been productive this year as a deep threat. He only has, I think he has his longest catch since that touchdown against the Cardinals is 11 yards. Um, You know, you don't really see teams respecting him deep anymore. Matt Collins has played well when he's been out there. I think the Eagles 
are seeing, starting to see that Torrey Smith isn't getting the job done, and I think they're going to start putting Matt Collins in there a little more. And we talked about this about five or six weeks ago, Elliot, when I said that I think it was after the Niners game that it's probably high time that you start to see Matt Collins take away some snaps from Torrey Smith and continue to emerge into that role was maybe a speedster or a deep threat that the Eagles thought they were getting with Torrey Smith. Obviously, that have, hasn't happened. If this is the week for Matt Collins, no better time for it because this mm-hmm. is a very good defense the Eagles are going up against, as you said, number eight in the league against the pass, I believe. Eagles are going to need all the weapons they can get around Wentz because if, if the pass rush is getting to him and if Tremaine Johnson does lock down against Alshon Jeffrey, if Zach Ertz can't play, we'll know more about that later today. But even if he does play, you don't know how effective he's going to be coming off I of think that he concussion. W- I think he will play. Okay, and if he, even if he does, coming off a concussion, you don't know how effective he's going to be. Um, if Hollins can step up and be that security blanket for Wentz, then all the better for this team. Agreed. So now let's do the Eagles cornerbacks versus the Rams receivers. Um, Eagles cornerbacks, Darby and Jim Schwartz said it himself, didn't have a good game against the Seahawks. Got called for that pass interference down the field. Uh, Jalen Mills had a bad game tackling. Patrick Robinson was okay. I think he was probably the best of the Eagles corners last week. Um the Rams have a good passing attack. Uh, I mean, led by your boy Goff. He, uh, let's see, they are four, seventh in the NFL in passing yards, fourth in total yards. And I mean, I know that I don't believe Robert Woods is going to play, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think I saw earlier on Twitter he's still he's still going to be out. But Sammy Watkins, Tavon Austin, um, Cooper Cup, a guy that I know was big with Eagles fans. During I think the he's se- really underrated. Yeah, and I know Eagles fans loved him during yep. the Senior Bowl, and then he ended up slipping a little more than people thought. But uh, they have some talent at they have some talent at receiver, and the thing they have is his speed with Tavon Austin, Sammy Watkins, and that's one thing the Eagles defense struggles with, especially their cornerbacks. We saw in week was it four when they played the Chargers. Chargers back out here in California, both Keenan Allen and uh, God, I can never remember this other guy's name. Their their other receiver both top, both topped 100 yards, and they're both speed guys. So I think I'm gonna have to give the advantage to the Rams receiver slash passing attack versus the Eagles uh, secondary. Yes, this. With apologies to the Eagles' offensive line, which I think is the most critical position group going into Sunday, this is a close second because mm-hmm. you have Sammy Watkins, you have Cooper Cup, you have you know, a multitude of ways that the Rams can move the ball down the field. But Ronald Darby has played at an all-pro level since he's been back. He didn't have a great game against the Seahawks, but I think at least part of that is due to the entire secondary struggling with Russell Wilson running around in the pocket, extending plays, and it was just an absurd amount of time for the secondary to hold their coverage against the Seahawks wide receivers. I don't think that happens again on Sunday because what Jared Goff is able to do, uh, and some defensive players talked about this, is because he throws such a good deep ball, you have to kind of stay in your coverage in a different way than you had to stay mm-hmm. in your coverage with, with Russell Wilson. It's still a challenge, but I think that the Eagles have done a really nice job this year against guys like Kirk Cousins, against guys like uh, Phillip Rivers that we talked about a little bit earlier, those pure pocket passers. Um, I, I think I give the very slight edge to the Eagles' secondary, um, but this is probably a push for me. If I, right. I, I'm only giving the Eagles a slight edge because I think that Darby could be the difference, and I don't think that this secondary is going to have two bad performances in a row, especially when they've handled pocket passers fairly well earlier in the season. All right, so we're getting to around the 23-minute mark, 22, 23 minutes. It's time to time to make the picks, I think. What yep. do you think? Because I think we both agree the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball against the Rams. Um, and I think the Rams with... are going to be able to run the ball against the Eagles because I think wow. Todd Gurley – I mean, Todd Gurley is the number two rusher in the league behind Le'Veon Bell. I know the Eagles' rushing defense has um, done a terrific job. They yeah. held Jordan Howard to six yards. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Todd Gurley rush for between 85 and 100 yards. 
Wow, that's really saying something. The Eagles have been really good against the run this year. Um, I agree. Todd Gurley, well, let me ask you this. Would you agree? Todd Gurley is the best skill position player, uh, not counting quarterbacks, best, best skill position player on either team. Yeah, I think so. Okay. If you take Carson Wentz out of the equation and if you take Goff out of the equation, I think that he's the best skill position player. And I'm trying to run through the the opponents in my head. I don't think the Eagles have played outside of maybe Jordan Howard. Yeah. I don't know that they've played a running back of this caliber yet this year. Well, there's they've only two or three in the league. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, it's Ezekiel Elliott, it's Le'Veon Bell, and it's Todd Gurley. It's a big test for them. And mm-hmm. what the Rams do really well is they, they've been throwing the ball to Gurley out of the backfield. They've been running him to set up the pass for Goff. And the Eagles haven't faced many offenses like that, and I think that I don't know that Todd Gurley is going to be the difference maker in this game, but I really don't expect him to rush for 25 yards. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Who are you picking? I'm picking the Rams. Um, I think the Rams, it's going to be a close game. I think that two really high-scoring offenses, two pretty good defenses. It's not going to be a blowout, but I think you're going to see a really similar game to what you saw in Seattle. Two playoff-caliber teams, two very talented teams who are built very similarly. Um, give me Seattle 27, the Eagles 23. So this pains me to say just because I've always made fun of the Rams all year. I've made fun of you for liking them. Even – me and my editor, Kevin Manhan, got into a debate about the Rams and the Eagles, and he, he was saying he thought the Rams might win. I'm going to have to pick the Rams. Just my gut is telling me to pick the Rams. I don't – look, if the Eagles come up and they win this game and they, you know, they, they move to – I guess they'd be 11-2 and two now, and then I think you really see a lot about this team because to stay out on the West Coast all week, I'd be interested to know the record of teams that play out in the West back-to-back weeks. I'd imagine the second part is not very good. Um, and you could go the the other way. You could look at West Coast teams coming east. I mean, right. Jim Harbaugh used to bring the 49ers east when they had back-to-back games. And I think they came in one year and beat the Eagles when they practiced at Appalachian State or so, somewhere mm-hmm. in, in Virginia before coming up to Philadelphia. So it works both ways. Well, the thing is, the Eagles are not going to win this game if they don't run the ball. Now, the good news is Rams have a bad run, de- have a bad run defense. But if the Eagles don't run the ball, I think this... I'm not saying it'll be a blowout either, but I don't think this is a win for the Eagles. I'm picking the Rams. I'm I'm almost positive I'm going to stay with that prediction up until game. How many time. asterisks on the uh, pick post? <laughs> you don't need many asterisks this week, but I do think that that it just feels like an Eagles loss to me. And if they lose, it's going to be a very interesting week leading up to that Giants game because all of a sudden you're the number three seed. You're looking at not having a bye, and I do not think that Giants game is an easy game. I mean, the third straight road game. Third, yeah. you know, division opponent. You're playing a team that has nothing to play for, so you know that that's looking ahead a little bit. But so we're both picking the Rams, which yep. I guess I'm not surprised you're picking the Rams, but I'm surprised. I guess that's where I'm falling because if you'd have told me three or four weeks ago this would be my pick, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have believed you. But but real quick, even though we both picked the Rams, I think you'll agree with this that if the Eagles win this game, then they're pretty much a lock for a number two seed, at least in a first round buy. And I, think I wouldn't that, say lock, but I think they're pretty close. And I think that, if especially they, with New Orleans now having four losses, sure. the Rams would have four losses. Yep, and they'd have the head to head over the Rams. And I, I just look at this that if they win this game, they take care of business against the Rams. I think that you can return them to the mantle, if not team to beat for the number one seed. I think they're the team to beat in the NFC if they beat. The Rams on Sunday. And I agree with that. And here's what I'll say to everyone that if they do lose is going to say, oh, everyone's overreacting, blah, blah. 
if you would have been if if going two and zero on the trip would have cemented them as a Super Bowl contender, what does going zero and two make them like? If you can't have it bo- both sides of the coin. Zero two Eagles, means they're playing on wild card weekend. Right, the Eagles themselves in this own lock and their locker room viewed this as a must win yep. type of situation where they wanted to come out west, show everybody what they were made of, show everybody that they're legitimate. They're zero and one now. If they fall to zero and two, I don't want to hear anybody saying the media is overreacting. I don't want to hear anybody saying that we shouldn't press the panic button. If this team is zero and two on this trip and goes back to Philadelphia as the three seed, it is absolutely time to press the panic button, in my opinion. Yeah, and the Eagles players themselves have been talking about getting a bye week ever since post-game of the Chicago game. So they right. th- they started talking about a bye before getting on and the flight to come to Seattle. There's more games to be played. So right. if, they, if they lose this game, it doesn't mean they're not going to get a bye. You have no, no but, idea what's going to happen. But, 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 here's, here's the problem. Number one, you have lost head-to-head to both the Seahawks and the Rams. You'd have... Um, three losses at this point, as would the Rams. You'd only have a one-game lead mm-hmm. over Seattle, who you lost to, and you're not catching the Minnesota Vikings in terms of strength of win. If it goes to that fourth tiebreaker, which seems to be the way it's headed because of everything else being so bunched up, first of all, you have to finish with the same record as the Vikings, which seems like a stretch if you lose this game. But even if you tie, you fall behind them. So you go from getting on a plane to go to Seattle as the number one seed to flying home after Los Angeles as the number three three seed losing tiebreakers to three teams above you. That's a failure. And on the flip side though, to end this on a positive note, since we're in sunny California, Yep. If they win this game, you can legitimately view them as the best team they have seen, in my opinion. I agree. Simply because I'm not a big Case Keenum guy. I'm bigger than I used to be on them. But I think you can make the argument the Eagles are the best. So they come out. They win this game on Sunday. Everything's fine. You're going to a job. I mean, everything's fine. You lose this game. Things are going to be really interesting. So we will end it here. We'll, of course, have the post-game pod for you on Sunday. Sorry for getting this one to you guys a little late on Friday. The West Coast time is just messing everything up. We'll have the post-game pod for you on Sunday where either Matt will talk about his boy Goff killing it or we'll be talking about once again the Eagles' Super Bowl contender. So we're going to end this. Matt, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later.